I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, and we just had a press release come out from Representative John Curtis from here in the state of Utah. And I want to read this. It ties into what we were thinking again about in our first segment today. Uh, Representative Curtis says, As the country waits for a final verdict on the Derek Chauvin trial, I have tremendous confidence in our judicial system. Even with its imperfections, I know of nothing equal to it in the world. However, it's clear to me that crucial conversations that started with George Floyd's death have only just begun. And regardless of the outcome of the trial, there's work to do ahead. Personally, uh, the congressman goes on to say, the trial has helped me to deepen my commitment to listen better and try harder to be a unifying voice in a too divisive world. I call on all Americans and especially Utahns to also focus on unity and respond to the verdict peacefully as we continue these important discussions. Uh, and to me, that's the whole thing. If we let rages, rageism prevent us from having crucial conversations, then we have even bigger problems and a, bit, a deeper hole to dig out of. All right, I want to shift gears now. Uh, as mentioned before the break, uh, really excited to have James Curry, who's an associate professor of political science at the University of Utah, Join us. He's also the author of the book Limit the Limits of Party, uh, which we're going to dive into on another day. Uh, but I had the chance to uh, to be on a panel uh, with Professor Curry talking about the vice presidency, uh, which we did last fall with the University of Utah. And that was right before the vice presidential debate that the University of Utah hosted. And uh, Professor Curry, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me on. Uh, well, we had a, a great discussion, and in the in the wake of the passing of mm-hmm. former Vice President Walter Mondale, uh, we're going to take some time today to to both focus on him a little bit, but to focus on the office of the Vice Presidency, uh, how it's evolved over the years, and what the future looks like. And, and so, give us kind of a a quick backstory to the Vice Presidency from our our beginning. What does that look like, and how have you seen it evolve over time? Yeah, it's really evolved from a position that was kind of an afterthought for the founders and didn't have much of a role in our government to one that's become really a partnership role for presidents and something that's really been beneficial for a more modern presidents. You know, it, it existed only for two reasons uh, initially and in the Constitution, so that it was there so that if the president died or resigned, uh, someone could step in and run the government. And also within the electoral college structure, it forced electors ideally to vote for someone outside of their own state, with founders really expecting the Electoral College voters would just vote for their own state's favorite son every time. Um, you know, and it, and, it, and it moved on to being, in more contemporary sense, something that was used by parties as a strategy for trying to balance their running mate tickets in presidential elections. You know, they would, if one faction of the party won the presidential nomination, they would usually pick somebody, the party would pick somebody from the other faction of the party to balance things out. You know, for years, the Democrats did this, where if they nominated a northerner, 
uh, to be their uh, standard bearer in the election. They would then put a Southerner on as the vice on the vice presidential ticket, so that Southerners had someone to vote for and Northerners had someone to vote for. But all throughout this, vice presidents were kind of meaningless and pointless and hopeless <laughs> once the election was over and they were put into office. The president vice presidency had no specific power and no specific role. You know, the vice presidency presides over the Senate chamber technically, but the vice president rarely actually does that in person. Yeah. And so for most of American history, this was a position where that was kind of useless for the members who had it other than waiting around for the president to die. You know, you had people like Calvin Coolidge who said, you know, he enjoyed his time as vice president because it never interfered with his mandatory 11 hours of sleep per day. Or someone like Daniel Webster, who was a famous senator in the 19th century, who turned down a chance to be vice president. And he wrote, I do not propose to be buried until I'm really dead. So th- for most of American history, this was a pretty unimportant office. Yeah, yeah. And then it started to, to shift, uh, I think, kind of along those lines. I think it uh, was it Eisenhower. I think it was Eisenhower that was asked, uh, you know, what Nixon's contribution was it as vice president. And he said, give me a week and I'm sure I can come up with something. Uh, uh, that's, that's right. That's right. And uh, Lyndon Johnson was famously super frustrated as JFK's yeah. vice president. It was you know, and you know, we're talking about this today because Walter Mondale is the person who, him and Jimmy Carter were the people more than anyone who transformed this kind of meaningless office yeah. into something useful. Where you know, prior to Jimmy Carter, presidential candidates often had very little say in who their VP candidate was. It was kind mm. of they were often foisted upon them by the right. party. But Carter went into the '76 convention determined to have a say over who his vice president was. Um, He made a point of reaching out to people and having meetings with potential vice presidential candidates ahead of the convention. You know, and Mondale was somebody who, you know, came to him with some thought about what the role of the vice presidency could be. And after the election, in fact, wrote this now historical memo to Carter laying out how he thought the vice presidency could be changed, the role the vice presidency could have within an administration. And, you know, Bondi was really the first vice president who had a substantial role in administration, yeah. and pretty much every vice president since then has Mondale to thank for carving out this role. Yeah, I mean we've seen that like we've seen that repeated time and time again now with Gore and the Clinton administration and Cheney and the Bush administration and Biden during his own time as vice president right. played substantial roles in those administrations in different policy areas and on different programs because of the work Mondale did along with Carter to give that office some purpose. Yeah. And he was the uh, he was the first to actually have an office in the West Wing uh, as vice president. Yeah. That was uh, uh, Fitz Mondale. And uh, so just in our, our last minute here real quickly, Professor. Uh, so now we have uh, Kamala Harris as the vice president. Uh, what do you see moving forward? How do you see the role of the vice president continuing on in the years ahead? I think it will continue just to grow with I think presidents will continue to think about who they can put into that position that can be a good partner for them. You know, they're always going to think about how it can help in the election, how it can unify the party. But I think you'll continue to see presidents think about, okay, who's going to be a partner for me? Who's somebody I can push forward in the party, which I think is something that Biden considered with Harris, who's relatively younger and potentially represents the future of the Democratic Party. I think that's just going to continue to happen. Um, and we'll continue to see people put in that office who can play a substantial role in our governance. Uh, fantastic. Great insight, as always. James Curry is the Associate Professor of Political Science at the University of Utah, author of the book The Limits of Party. And, Professor, I'm going to hold you to coming back to The Limits of Party. I want to I do a deep dive with you on that one on another day. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'd be happy to. Okay, very good. Again, James Curry joining us from the University of Utah. And I do think it's important for us to to step back, and especially on a day where uh, Walter Mondale has passed away, uh, not getting a lot of attention, obviously, in light of other uh, breaking news that's going on. Uh, but I, I do think we have to really step back and say, wow, he did change that office in a significant way, in a significant way. And I appreciate uh, Professor Curry and, and his perspective on that role, how it's continued to grow and evolve and emerge uh, and really is a, uh, a force now within an administration. We're going to st- talk about it uh, coming up at the top of the two o'clock hour. Uh, we'll pay tribute to uh, the former Vice President Walter Mondale, and we will also explore what we should be thinking again about as it relates to the vice presidency. All right, we'll go ahead and step aside for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, Kelsey Dallas is going to join us and really take a look at is the Supreme Court uh, shifting as in its view of religious liberty from the left and the right coming up next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.